Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Stephanie. Stephanie is, has over 20 years of experience and she helps entrepreneurs, small business owners, and corporate executives who have plateaued or reached the edge of their comfort level to excel. Sat out because of her knack for being able to see the big picture and her expertise to design, plan, and implement the next phase of their business, Stephanie thrives in transforming the fears and struggles of her clients into opportunities and successes. Over 20 years experience, it doesn't, you don't even look old enough to have that. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. <laughs> well, thank you. I do. When I, but... when I saw that, I was like, mm, I don't know. But um, so you, you have a lot of experience. Take us back. Take us back before you started your business. What was going on? What brought you to where you are today? Well, I'll take you back before I was mid 40s because then I can remember everything. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I spent all, I've spent all my career working in small businesses and startups. And um, when you have that experience, it really opens your eyes to all the different pieces of business, right? And the struggles that a startup feels and the struggles that a small business feels. And it's a very different experience than being part of a large corporation um, where you're exposed to sort of a thin slice of the business. So I almost think that when you're going to help people grow their own small and micro businesses, you kind of need to have that experience. So it's always been the place that I love and it's always been the place that I find the most enjoyment, the most excitement, and the, the closer the, I am to the results, the more I enjoy it. So working with solo entrepreneurs or working with um, like micro business owners is, I mean, is my sweet spot. And I love that. But the advantages that through working in those small businesses, I've also had the opportunity to be a consultant into large corporations. So we start up a small consulting firm, but we consult to very large corporations. So we get to bring all of the, the learning and the pieces of, of infrastructure and the frameworks from corporate and bring them down to those small business owners that typically don't have that type of experience or education. Um, so coming out of that environment, I started at my first kind of real business with lots of money invested in all that sort of thing uh, about 12 years ago. And um, that was what I called my starter business. We grew it to a team of about 20. We had, you know, a few million dollars in sales, but it was, it was a, a huge learning experience. And I cut my teeth in that business. And I got to ex ex just learn all of the things that I did wrong and all of the things that you don't do in a small business. Right. <laughs> you know, we had some success for sure. And the company is still around today. Um, I'm no longer an owner. But it was like life experience. It was business experience. It was people experience. It was money experience. And it was all those things combined. And that's where I learned how important a business model is. And I think a lot of people don't quite understand what that means, <clears throat> but your business model is really your foundation. It's the way you put everything together to achieve an outcome. 
So I remember sitting there one day and going, I've lost everything in my life and my business. And my, I'm like down the bottom of a well going, I'm hanging on to this thing that I know is inherently broken. And I don't have the control to fix it because I wasn't the sole owner of the business. And I had to walk away from that. And there was a lot of processing that it took to decide that because there's all this ego and there's all this pride and there's all this shame and guilt and all this stuff that made me feel like a failure. But when I, when I finally learned to flip that around and say, this is business. These are, these are facts. This is data. This is emotion. Um, It was a very clear choice to walk away, but I already had decided I was going to start up a new business and do it right. And I did. So I own a software company that <clears throat> where we built a, a software product and it has been successful. It continues to be successful, but it was like, I wasn't even sort of out of the womb of my, my new business, my first business before I started that. But it's just like, it was so clear to me where, how to build a better business and how to build a more aligned business. And after that, I started being called upon by, by friends and by colleagues and by peers saying, can you, you, you seem to know what you're doing. Can you help us? And I became an entrepreneur mentor at the university, taking, um, taking startups and startup ideas from alumni and, and students <clears throat> and putting them through a program that the university was sponsoring to help them go from, I just have an idea. I have no business background. I have an idea and I want to take it to become, you know, build it into a, a company. So ideally the, the seed fund would pick up these startups and keep growing them. Um, I became really well versed in the lean startup methodology. Um, that's what we taught at the university Mm -hmm. in using that whole framework got into building accelerators and and working with startups in my my own community and building startup weekends and that sort of thing but really what I was being called on to help were the small businesses that were owned by people who had a craft or a skill or some sort of trade and they had kind of muscled their way through and they had gotten to the point where they recognized that there was something here, right? They're making some money. They know that they can go full-time and they have gone full-time into this business, but now they were at this point. They're like, I don't have a business education. I don't know what's next. I know I need to grow. I know the business needs to mature. I need to mature as a business owner, but I don't, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. So that became sort of the common theme with the folks that would come to me and want to work with me. And then I, uh, a couple of years ago, I rolled up the formal business coaching and strategy um, business. And that is where I am at today. And that business is growing and I have amazing clients and I absolutely adore what I do. It is a perfect alignment of skills and desire and, values and objectives and um that is that is my sole focus these days is working with small businesses and uh entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial people um to help them grow from where they are right now to where they need to be in a really sustainable and aligned way yeah and that sounds amazing but what i want people not to miss out on is that earlier struggle that you talked about with your first first business. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that because we have a lot of people, we do have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, but not just entrepreneurs. We also have women who have careers and are going through some things. And a lot of times we, as women, we see 
you know, this failure, and I put that in quotation marks, people can't see that, I forget, <laughs> this failure <laughs> as the end all be all and in, in how much it reflects on us. So I'd love to have you take us back to when that first business was, was starting to go under and you're like, I just, I got to walk away. What were you feeling? What was going on with you personally? And, and how, and, and then once you've told us that, how did you move through that? Like, how did you get to where you didn't see that as I'm a failure? This is the end. I can't move forward. Cause you did, you started a new business and then you did consulting and coaching and working with university. You did all these amazing things. So how did you not stay in that place? Well, that's not to say I didn't stay in that place for a little while. Let me go get my tissues if we're going to talk about this, right? (laughs) Um, So swap out the fact that I was running a business and swap in anything you're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever it is that means something to you. If you get to this, I think the perspective that really helped, and I think this is really common for business owners, for corporate people, anybody who's working on something they, they are really committed to, I got to the place where I I realized I was hanging on to this thing with such dear life because I had invested, I had committed, I had put my heart and so, and and I identified with this Mm -hmm. and I realized it was like an abusive relationship, right? Like it was, it was all give, 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 and no getting back. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, yes, I learned a lot. And I, I learned to look at failure as like something really desirable because mm-hmm. I am further ahead once I've failed than I was before. Right. And I know now with, with like actual tangible evidence that I have more information with which to go forward. And I, I have that evidence that I can use to make really impactful changes to what I want to do. So when I started flipping that thinking and I read a bunch of books and I, you know, I wallowed for a while and sat there feeling sorry for myself for a while. But when it finally became clear to me that this is just a data decision, it's not emotional. It was clear as day. So if, if it's like exposure therapy, right? You need to go through this crap. You need to go through the hard stuff. You need to learn how to walk away from something without it becoming a reflection of you as a person. Mm-hmm. Because none of this is. It really isn't. No matter what you're trying to do, this is not a reflection of you as a person. And there aren't a, you know, an audience of thousands watching you, waiting for you to fail so they can laugh at you or judge you or make... Like, everybody's business busy doing their own thing, Right. right? So unless you were, you know, criminally negligent or, you know, ethically out of line, these, these aren't reflections on you as a person. These are just things that happen. And, it, you know, flipping that script so that I actually welcome failure and I walk straight into it now was a huge part of moving through. And now my decisions are very quick and my decisions to pivot are very quick because I know on the other side of that is progress. Yes, absolutely. And I don't want people to miss this part is that you said nobody's looking at it, right? I don't know a single successful entrepreneur who has not failed or made mistakes or is not still failing and making mistakes in some way, shape or form. It's a part of growth. 
But I think the difference that sets the people aside that fail and don't do anything and get stuck in that place, the ones that move forward is being able to work your way out of it and say, this is, this is not a reflection on who I am. And nobody really is paying attention. Like I always tell people, social media is a complete highlight reel. Like nothing real happens on social media. You have one or two people, one of two people, you have a, my life's fantastic. Everything's great. Or the people that's like, my life sucks. Everything sucks. Like <laughs> barely see like both ends of the spectrum. Like, cause nobody wants to be that person that's constantly on social media. Like my life sucks. Right. And so I want people to see the same thing. We see successful business owners or even successful career women is there was a lot, there's a lot of pain that goes on as you're working to that. Yeah. And people appreciate that pain more than they appreciate. In some cases, the constant successes and the constant, oh, you know, everything's going so well and my clients are getting such good results and all this. It's almost unrelatable, right? Yes. I, I, I mean, I'm still guilty of getting into these deep, deep, dark places when things go wrong because I have high standards for myself. Mm-hmm. But I, I posted the other day, I think last week, um, just about this kind of rut that I've been into because we all do it, right? We get into these ruts. Mm-hmm. And I just blew that open and exposed it to the light. And I got more engagement on that post than any other post I've ever posted because people were like, yes, I get it. And they wanted to know that it can be normalized. Right. And it's like Brené Brown says, right. Shame does not survive. The light. Yeah, me too. So shame doesn't, you bring these things to the surface and that's, it's a practice that you have to keep trying and it's hard. But what I've recognized about myself is that I have a pattern. And as long as I am aware of that pattern, I cannot help myself from feeling crappy when something happens and nor should you try to stop yourself from feeling crappy when something happens because the feeling it is what moves you through. But I give myself a time limit. I'm like, okay, I'm in this dumpster phase right now. I've got five hours to stay in the dumpster phase. And then I start to triangulate and then I start to reach out to my people and then I start to problem solve. And then I start to look at it with curiosity and that is my process. I know it's my process. And when it happens, I sit with it and then I start moving. So action is the antidote to all of this stuckness, right? Is the antidote to um, all the mindset crap that comes up. Take action, do something. Whatever it is that you think you can do, just do something. And it, it, it gets us started again. A lot of business owners and a lot of people stop before they start because they are so terrified of being judged. They're so terrified of getting it wrong. But everybody's over here being busy. Right. And you're lucky if they even notice what you've done. But the act of doing, regardless of anybody sees it, the act of doing something is like breaking that barrier. As soon as you've done something, no matter how ineffective, it gets you going. It starts you on that path. So this like initiation anxiety that a lot of people feel is what keeps them stuck. Yes. And I'm a total perfectionist. So I get, I I will overthink a hundred bazillion things. But like you said, if I just start taking that action, then I'm able to work through it versus if I'm like, everything has to be just perfect. Just the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we launched a program a few weeks ago to crickets. But we also, we also didn't know enough about this audience. We knew that. Yeah. So, we, so we, launched, we just went ahead and did it anyway because we knew that by doing it, we would start to get the answers. 
So that's a, like, that's a, that's a big risk to take to your brand, to your, but at, at the end of the day, no one cared, right? It just was like a blip on their radar and we got a whole bunch of really good information. So when we launch next, we know what we need to do better. Right. And nobody knows how many numbers you got. If you hadn't said that, nobody no. would have any idea except you no. and your team. And yeah. I think that's, I've overthought that multiple times in, in my business where I'm like, nobody signed up for this program I just launched or this group program or this, you know, whatever it might be. But then I think about it. Nobody knows that nobody like signed <laughs> up. Like <laughs> there's so, we think we're so visible, right? Like, we actually have to try to be visible. We have to try to get somebody's attention. And so if you're not even trying, chances are nobody's going to even know. <laughs> so with that information in mind, that hopefully can inspire you to actually go out and get started, right? Even if it's the tiniest little thing, it's such a psychological push to just do that one little thing and then you're ready, then you're rolling. Right. It's so easy to, for us to allow fear to hold us back. So the first time my audience knows this, if they've been listening to the podcast, the first time I went to college, I failed horribly. My last semester in college, I flunked out with $50,000 worth of student loans. Yeah. I never did anything with that. Never went back for it. But last fall, I made this almost a year ago. I made the decision. I'm going to go back to college, but this time I'm going to go back for psychology because it, fits perfectly with what I do right now as a life coach. And I want to help people on that deeper level. Like that to me just like lights me up and gets me excited. But I had that fear. Like I've already failed at this thing. I've yep. already like, you know, literally face down in the dirt, like the big blow up has already happened. And I almost let that hold me back. But then I had to work through it and say, what did I learn from that? Well, this time I'm not going to drink my face off. <laughs> This no time I'm not going to get into a, an abusive relationship, which actually was the catalyst for me flunking out was that last semester. Um, this time I'm going to manage, I know how to manage my time. I teach people how to manage their time. Like I'm going to rock at this. And this time I don't, I'm not the sole provider of my family. I was a single mom back then. I I'm married now. My husband is the, the sole, or not the sole provider, the breadwinner. He's in the military. So all these things that I learned and have changed that I'm like, I can do this now. And I had to work through that. And I had to take that action. I had to register for school. I had to do all the things because if I had just stayed and like marinated in that crap, I would not be getting ready to transfer to another university to continue with my education. I would just be sitting in that place going, I want to go back to college, but I don't know how. Right. And I think that's really relevant. Like coming back to my area, like they, the most successful entrepreneurs this isn't their first time around. They've all failed. They've all failed a couple of times. They got back up on the horse and they, they did it again, but you can guarantee they didn't, they didn't just breeze through it, right? They, they had to learn those hard lessons and they're better off for it now. So I think like, it, and every new experience is that it's a new experience. You can't take your old stories and apply them to all your new experiences, right? It's the same in relationships and dating. If you painted every new person with the same brush stroke as your past experiences, you would never meet anybody or you would attract these people that are just not right for you, right? So remembering that every new experience is a new experience and approaching with your newfound quiver of arrows that uh, you can make sure you do things even better next time. 
Exactly. So you moved out of that stuck place, out of the mistake and went on to, yes, it took time, but um, went on. What sort of resources and tools have helped you the most on your personal development journey to allow you that space to be successful? Because I think for me, I always tell people like, they ask what, why, why is life coaching important? Why do I need an entrepreneur? I work mainly with entrepreneurs. I'm like, if your life is a hot mess, your business is going to be a hot mess because it is a reflection of you. Like, and what's going on with you. Eventually you'll have a team and everything will be going good. And yeah, it won't be as a direct in like reflection, but in the beginning it is a reflection of who we are. And if it's, if it's falling apart, the chances are there's something personally that might be going on. So what has helped you the most? Um, I would say that surrounding myself with the right people, um, people who are, who understand where I am at and have been through it. Um, I triangulate whenever I need support. I reach out to, you know, a handful of people and I have lots of conversations. I, I, I talk, I talk, I talk. And, and by, by verbalizing it, by calling something a problem, by, giving it a name by bringing it out into the light, it becomes less and less and less and less of an issue. But in terms of growth, um, I'm a bit of a, a an over-consumer of information. And, and I, Me too. I remember going through these little phases. I had a lot of personal growth to do after my divorce, after the failure of the business, after, you know, a bunch of things that came up. And I had to work through all that stuff before I could be totally ready to give myself to all of these clients. Because the work that I do is very, very personalized. It's very high touch. It's like I become part of your business and Mm -hmm. I can't do it any other way because it has to be that way. It has to be that successful and nobody gets a cookie cutter plan, right? So in order to have that energy, I had to become, just like you said, I had to become really strong and resilient personally. And throwing myself into one crappy relationship after another or, you know, surrounding myself with toxic people like that was all had to go away. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop overgiving and I had to start drawing boundaries. And I think I consumed every freaking self-help book out there <laughs> because that's my, that's my MO, right? I want to, I want to consume all of these different pieces uh, that might have answers and, and create my own version of, progress Mm -hmm. and development. Um, And I think, like, I think doing that has helped me move into this place where I have so all my energy for my clients. Now I have all my energy for my kids. Now the things that I know are the most meaningful to me and I don't waste my time on things that are not. Um, But I, you know, I had to, I had to do that too. I had to move through all of that stuff. I had to get as many perspectives as I could and something, you know, I took a little bit over here and I took a little bit over there and I took a little bit of, you know, mindfulness. I took a little bit of Buddhism. I took a little bit of Byron Katie. I took a little bit of Pema Chodron and I took a little bit of every, everything out there. Right. (laughs) And just put them all together into this like healing, healing ball that, um, that took me to the place that felt really good. And now it's, um, I'm in a good place, right? You know, I, I have every, I have everything I need in order to support these clients because it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. It's a lot mm-hmm. of investment, but I can't imagine doing it any other way. 
Yes. Yeah. And I, I want people to, to notice it. Cause I hear this pe- from people all the time because the coaching industry is so unregulated. Right. I told, I, I just made a video about this today and I was like, listen, there's no regulation in the coaching industry. Like it's not like therapists where you have to go through this licensure and you have to take these tests and you have to do it. It's like literally somebody could say tomorrow, I'm a coach, um, but not to diminish coaches who are actually doing their job. But what I want people to really notice is you had to go through these paces. You had to experience all these things to get to where you can actually help the people you're helping. Because if you hadn't gone through the business failure and building another business and, you know, teaching at the university and all those different things, you couldn't do what you do today without those experiences. And if you're going to get me up on a soapbox here, I can get on that soapbox, but there is no barrier to entry, right? There's no barrier to entry to being a coach. And in fact, my argument is that a lot of people don't even really understand what that term means. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of people out there calling themselves business strategists, but they do marketing or business coaches and they teach you how to do email marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And to to me, I still don't understand why you wouldn't just call yourself what you are, but what's happened is that there's a a growing level of distrust with the coaching industry, right? So you have all these people who have never run a business and they're trying to teach you how to run yours. You're preaching to the choir. I know, right? (laughs) And I think like, you know, one of the things that I stand on is, is like, I have a master's degree in entrepreneurship and technology. I have worked in startups and small businesses for 23 years. I own five businesses of my own. And I, like, I still am learning. So right. how can you profess to take someone who has no idea where to go next and be able to teach them and bring them to a place that is working for them mm-hmm. if you haven't had that kind of experience, right? So, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, you should run a certification program for business coaches. And like, I could teach you my methodology. I have a very structured framework that I take Mm -hmm. my clients through in order to build their personalized business. I could teach that to you, but you're still not going to have the experience. You're still not going to have the scars and the stories and the wounds of, you know, 20 years of fighting your way through all of this stuff, right? So I'm continually learning and it is my objective is my goal to be, you know, we cover all six pillars of your business and then I help you with implementation. But someone who is in that place with their business where they just don't know where to go next, the last thing they need is someone who's got a hammer and everything's a nail, right? right. The last thing they need is someone to say, oh, you need to grow your list. No, your problem is alignment. You're trying to serve a customer that you actually don't like, right? Or whatever it might be. <laughs> So I think, you know, I think it's irresponsible for, um, for people to profess to help others when they don't actually have the experience to do. Now, having said that, there are some great coaches out there. There are some really good, really like successful. Mm -hmm. And by successful, I mean, their clients have been successful. There are some awesome people out there, but I would say that there are a lot of people who don't even know that they need to know more. You know what I mean? So we're not in that place yet where coaching, business coaching really has 
standards or some level of certification or anything. So, you know, you got to buyer beware. Right. So how I decided that I was going to be a women's empowerment coach or life coach. However, I say women's empowerment coach. I'm like, I only work with women. I don't work with dudes. So let's get this straight. Um, is It was several, I was three years now. It was a while ago. And I was at this conference with this, this amazing business coach and she was sitting down and she was doing 30 minute, uh, 30 minute little freebie coaching sessions with people. And she said, well, if this is what you want to do, why aren't you doing it? And I was like, well, don't I need all these things? And she's like, you have experience in the, in the arena you want to teach it. She's like, now don't you be going from this arena you told me about to like go into way over here where you have no idea what you're doing. She's like, focus on what you do know and how you can help people and you have that experience and you're able to. And I was like, okay, <laughs> which works great because I, I've stayed in my, my lane with what I know about time management, boundaries, and self-care. I rock at those things. I know that I have plenty of experience. I have lots of education on it. I'm, I'm awesome there. But the reason I decided to become a therapist was because I had clients who need, had deeper rooted problems and I was constantly referring my clients. I was, I was attracting these clients and I was constantly referring them out to therapists because I'm like, I can help you with this, but you really need to get a hold of this deeper rooted issue to really help you up level. Well, I was, I decided I really want to help people with that, but I'm not going to call myself a therapist tomorrow just because I'm going to school for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? well, you and can't. <laughs> right. I, I think that's what I want people to take away is to do their research on coaches. If you're going to hire a business coach, a life coach, or whatever kind of coach, first be clear on what you need help with, and then do your research. Ask people like Stephanie and say, "What are your credentials?" Like. You know, and the person might not even be because they like went and got a certification. I put that in quotation marks too. It might be, I have 20 years experience in business and I've built five businesses. That would make you somebody who, whether you got, you know, um, certified or not, you have the experience to be able to help people. I, this, this came up because I heard from a friend of mine and she was talking about this business coach and she said, why don't you like this business coach? And I told her why. And she said, I'm part of her program, Megan. And she started digging really deep into psychological things going on with people that might be holding them back in their business. And she's like, she really triggered somebody I know. And the woman had to go and see her therapist the next day because it brought up some old wounds, but the one girl didn't know how to remedy that. And so she just left this person out triggered. Mm -hmm. That is because this this business coach is inexperienced and is trying to do something that's outside her wheelhouse. So yeah. that's what, that's what I want people to take away between this conversation about coaching. We're talking about, it's not that coaches are bad, but we need, we as consumers need to make sure that we do our research on coaches and ask them and, you know, ask for recommendations, ask them like what makes you qualified to, to do this so that you're not getting with that person that is, triggering you psychologically and now you have to go see your therapist because they've now opened Pandora's box and have no idea how to close it. Right. And part of the problem is that, that, uh, these guys who are, who are ready to, to work with somebody, they also don't really know what they need to look for, right? Because mm -hmm. they haven't identified their problem yet. Right. And that makes things a little bit difficult because they will go to a quote unquote business coach who will tell them, I'm going to build you a marketing plan. Mm-hmm when their problem is really the way they structure their offers mm. or their pricing or, you know, any number of the other places that are not sexy, but are the places we find the most friction in our business. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and um, they don't really know the questions to ask. So they rely on people saying, here's what I did and it worked. Right. Except you are not them. And you, you know, this is some 20 something sparklepreneur who like, that's literally something I've seen on Instagram. Sparklepreneur who's 25 and is telling you they're going to teach you how to run your business (laughs) because something worked for them and they, they got good at Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like the people that I work with are not the same people who are going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a funnel hack right? There's a whole, that's a, that's actually a really interesting part of business. Like it's, it, but it's a totally different world, right? And these are formulaic and, and it's kind of cool, right? It's like data driven and it's, it's content and it's, it's like, it's neat, right? I'd love to do that at some point in time. But these are the people who are like, Hey, I really give it, like, I really care mm-hmm. about this business, but it's just not right. Or why am I working so much? for the money that I'm making and the money's okay. Mm-hmm. But when I start to look at how much of it I'm keeping, this business doesn't make sense, but I don't right. know where to go from here. Right. They have a desire for something other than just revenue growth. They have a desire because they know that if I don't feel good about my business, if I'm not doing what's aligned with me, because that's where we start. We start with you. We don't start with your goals and your values. We start with you. And what your particular passion is. And, you know, I have a whole framework that I, I work through in terms of figuring out what their business passion is. And this is not like, I like photography. This, there are four pillars of passion for your business. And what people are really clear on is their vision. But they don't go deeper than that, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they, they identify their vision. I want to solve world hunger. And they, they, uh, they stop there. Mm-hmm. But how you're going to do that has to be aligned with what is important to you in terms of your particular passion. So your passion is either going to be the type of customer that you work with, or it's going to be a particular offer you've created, or it's going to be a particular skill set that you have, or it's going to be the way that you work. Now, we care about all four of these passions, but one of them is going to be yours. And it's going to stand out. And you know that because you will compromise all the other pillars in order for that one to remain true. So if we don't know what that is, and we follow the traditional model for designing a business, we start with customers all the time. But what if mm-hmm. you don't care that much about which customer you're working with? What if you care more that you get to use your creative writing skills or that you get to use your connector skills? Like that's the, the core of everything. So if you start with the customer, you're going to design a business. Now, for some people, it is the customer, but you're going to just design a business that is totally misaligned. The example that I like to give, and you'll probably heard this before, but if my vision is that every baby goat has pajamas, because nobody can relate to this, then what's the business that I would think to build? I'd make pajamas for baby goats, right? Right. What What if my hands don't work? What if I got like like difficulty with my hands or what if I don't like sewing or what if I, I hate material, I've got some allergy, whatever. I'm going to keep running this business because I'm committed to my vision, but I'm going to hate it. So mm-hmm. how much energy do you think people put into their business when they don't like it? None. And so these people who won't put the work in, it's because their business is not aligned with, with their passion. But what if you were the delivery truck driver 
delivering the pajamas? What if you were a lobbyist passing legislation for baby goats to have pajamas? What if you were like a farmer? Like there's all these, all of those deliver on that vision. They Mm -hmm. still execute on that vision. There are just different ways of doing it. So people don't go deeper than that, right? And they don't align their offers and their customers and their, with, and everything that they're doing and their money with that pillar. And that becomes the, the pivot point for everything in their business. And we keep coming back to that when we make decisions. So then we talk about goals and values and those have to inform the, the aligned business model. But in this sort of visual model that we build, everything supports each other. And we know what that is. If that isn't right, nothing else is going to be right. There's no point in designing offers if you haven't done this work first. So I'm on my soapbox about that, but this is what 98% of business coaches are unable to do. They'll continue building offers. They will continue doing marketing just because the business owner says, well, this is my business right now. But even the business owner is sitting there going, but I don't know if that should be my business, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's so much behind it. I could go on forever, but yeah, there's so no, much behind it. I love what you're saying because I am consistently saying to people, life and business are not one size fits all. What works for one person does not work yeah. for everybody. Even yeah. if you are in the same industry does not mean it will work because you are the differentiating factor here. Like if you don't enjoy like I light up, I get so excited when I think about like talking to women and helping them and working through the different problems, you know, in them. But I don't get really pumped up if you are like about courses. I've tried to make courses. They don't work for me. I need to be able to have the freedom that it's not like I need to, this is why I left my membership site just so, plug for anybody it'll be in the show notes is because I like to be able to just ramble on and just be able to go and just kind of word vomit it all out there. Yeah. But it, courses need to, they, you know, they need to be like, go a certain way and, 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 and have like a certain flow to them. I'm like, that doesn't work for me. I'm not a flow person. I'm right. a person that's, I'm a touchy feely kind of like person. And so even though I tried to do the courses, I hated it. I hated baking courses. It made me so miserable. Like I did not enjoy it. Um, But because somebody at some point in time told me that you need to do courses, I tried to do it. And guess what? It didn't go anywhere. No, because you're not energetically aligned with it, right? Right. This this is why I get to know the person first, Mm -hmm. right? I get to know the person first. And in fact, I become friends with, I can't help it. I become friends right. with my clients. You know, we work together for nine or 12 months mm-hmm. and I'm invested. I'm invested in your business and I have to be because I give a, a I care. You can curse on this. Yes. <laughs> can yeah. I? I give a yes. shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I swear appropriately. Me too. Um, <laughs> and that, and that's, that's super important because if you're following a cookie cutter model and, and, and you are trying to build courses, and it's a slog every day and it doesn't really align with who you are and how you want to work. I have people come to me and they're like, look, I know I'm not supposed to just do one-on-one services because it's not scalable, Yes, but I hate group work. I don't want to work with groups. I need that. I'm a, a, a highly sensitive person and I need to work one-on-one and get that kind of feedback all the time. That is me. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so why the heck would I build you a business 
that doesn't allow you to work in the way that you want to work. Like you can have whatever you want. You really, really can. You just have to be committed to it Mm -hmm. and you have to trust the process, right? But you really, you, every business is as different, should be as different as the business owner themselves. I love this. That makes me so, yeah, because when you said group coach, I'm like, yes, all the coaches say you should have a group coaching program. Like I have done it. I hate it. It's awful because now I have all these different energies coming at me on a call versus like, I like to just sit down and like narrow it down and go for it. And I'm glad we had this call because I was just thinking maybe I should try the group coaching thing again. I'm like, no, no. No. However, (laughs) the myth that these are the business models you have to choose in order to scale is a bunch of garbage. There are nine different ways you can scale your business and you can adopt any or all of them depending on what you want. So Mm -hmm. when I go to a customer and I say, okay, what does this business need to do for you? They're like, wait, don't you mean what does it need to do for my customers? Like, no, what does it need to do for you? First, first, if we don't get that right, what you're doing for your customers doesn't even matter because it's going to be a, like a shitty business for you. <laughs> and, and this all came to me one day when I was working with a client who, who was like, oh, I don't really know what my business should be or what I should do. And she's like, I, was, I like photography, so I tried to be a photographer. And I like, you know, I had some crap in my life and I thought maybe I'd be a relationship coach. But she's like, meh, meh, meh. And then just in, in passing, she mentioned these clients that she really loved. And her, like, her whole face just lit and her energy shifted. And she was just like, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, wait a second. You're trying to figure out what you should do when really you needed to figure out who you should work with because mm-hmm. that's your pillar. And she wanted to work with these ultra woo shamans and like, she loved those guys. Well, they all need something. And so when we started talking about what she would do after we figured out that she just needs to commit to doing it for them, she was like way loosey goosey on everything else. She was like, Oh yeah, I could do this or I could do that. I don't mind this. I don't mind that. I could take my marketing skills and work with them and just help as long as I'm helping them progress. That was her pillar. And then I was like, wait a second, we've got a framework here somewhere. (laughs) For me, it's women with trauma in their past, like in their life, in their past, they've experienced trauma. Those are the people that I, I'm constantly a magnet for on the podcast for coaching in my life, like constant magnet for, and I like blow up and get so excited when I'm like getting, and that's why I want to be a therapist. Cause I'm like, sometimes you start getting into topics that I'm not qualified to help with. Right. You know? Right. But that's it. So maybe that's your pillar, right? And if you, now ideally we design a business that's optimized for all the four pillars, But if we know which one is critical and has to always be true, that makes it a whole lot easier to make decisions about the rest of it. But you know, you you run tests against these. If I could deliver the services I really like to deliver using the skills I really like to use and working in the way that I like to work, but I had to work with a different customer group, would you still want to do it? Mm -mm. No. So your pillar- Women with trauma. Yep. 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 And as long as you know that to be true, when you design your business and you design your, now it's funny when we talk about designing a business, because that's, that's what I've started calling myself sort of, you know, casually because yeah. it's really what I do. 
a lot of people say, well, I've already got a business. I don't need to design a business. I'm like, no, no, you really do. Because you probably have muscled your way through and you have gotten to a place where you have gone out and made a mess, figured out a bunch of different things. And now's the time to stick that stake in the ground and say, okay, I'm serious about this now. Let's go back to the drawing board and we're going to build you a foundation for your business that is going to take you through all the next levels that you need. So business design happens all the time at every stage mm-hmm. in business. You are constantly redesigning. So I think that um, even the people who are certain about their business still need to go through this process. Yes. I love this. I love this so much. And I'm so sad that we're going to have to wrap, wrap up the podcast because I, we get, I have so many entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast and I hear this kind of thing all the time is, well, I love this about my business, but I really don't like that. Or I'm burnt out in my business because of this. And mm-hmm. maybe they will have heard some nuggets or maybe they'll be like, I, I need to work with, with Stephanie. And that's cool. Cause we're going <laughs> to, we're going to link all of Stephanie's uh, stuff up in the show notes so you can contact her and reach out to her. But as we wrap with the podcast, if there is like one thing or a collection of things you'd like to leave the audience with, what would you want them to know? You can have anything that you want. And if something doesn't feel right for you, you can still build a successful business if you change it. I mean, that is the biggest thing that I, everything else kind of cascades down from there, but you need to put yourself first in your business because it, it is not selfish. It is about how you're going to be successful and you are not going to be successful if you build your business around everyone else. Amen. This is why I say self-care is so crucial for entrepreneurs, everybody, but entrepreneurs, especially because if you're like in a bad place, your business is going to suffer the repercussions of that as well. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was awesome. I enjoyed it so much. I thank you for having me very much. It was a good, good chat. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.